We're oh, back. Snap. We are back. Everybody get back in the snap. Do 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 do. That's our new theme. Oh man, our freestyle rapping career is gonna take off. Yeah, yes. just, you just quit the podcast now because obviously that was our true calling. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey so, guys, what's up? Yeah, hello, all of you wonderful starving critics listeners. Welcome back to a time of discussion and reflection yes. and warm fuzzies with Mitch and yes. Rachel. That's the new name of the podcast. We're no longer known as the Starving Critics, but we're known as the Warm Fuzzy. What was the other thing you said? Warm Fuzzy <laughs> Fire Chats. There, there you go. I am fired up today. I just had my first pumpkin spice latte of the season. I'm really? hashtag basic bitch, and I'm um, ready to go. <laughs> hashtag classic white girl. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh man. So I, I hope myself. I hope you were wearing. Ugg boots and an infinity scarf and a puffer vest of some kind. I was wearing an infinity scarf. Okay. I good was deal. wearing a beanie and I am wearing some black knee high boots. So Ooh, get it. What, what? I'm only missing yoga pants with that. So for those of you that haven't seen Rachel on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, if you were wondering who she is, now you know she's a white girl. I'm a basic bitch. So you are welcome. Um yeah, so today we're doing a fine, a fine wine list. Movies that get better yeah. with the, time. The finer things. So yeah. if you Pinky's if you out. missed our last episode, we made a massive announcement about us jumping on board later this month in September with a po- podcasting network called Bedlam Podcast Network. Bedlam Podcast Network. We love you. Woo! We're super Woo. excited to uh, be getting some extra credibility for our little rantings and. Up see where the creative flow goes but our opinions are valid <laughs> totally not we we completely they're feeding the monster is what's happening yeah totally completely and i literally was up until we started recording this like adding stuff to my list so obviously i'm i'm a very organized and collected podcast host and yes. um who deserves we always, this we always break down our outlines two weeks in advance and we talk about our notes and we come yep. in completely prepared, fresh, ready to go. Yep. Um, yeah, never happens. Never happens. So this is going to be our final episode as the lone starving critics. Right, on SoundCloud. And I don't, uh, to be fair, guys, I don't know what's going to actually happen with the files that are on SoundCloud. We might be able to move all those episodes over to Bedlam's servers. Um, but if not, if we're for any reason not able to do that, just go ahead and download any episodes that you want saved for whatever reason on your podcast app or whatever. But those potentially might be going away, but I'm not sure yet. So, yeah, we don't know for certain. We'll keep that information flowing out and all that stuff. Yeah. But basically, a fine wine list to give the old bootstrapping starving critics a good farewell before we launch into the professional podcasting starving critics. Yes. So we'll be singing a lot this episode maybe and just doing ridiculous things and swearing a lot and um we'll probably uh, be doing the exact same thing when we move over to bedlam so mad shout out to julia roberts who's been with us since day one jules we love you america loves you 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 never seem to age and knowing that you're in our corner has just meant the world it's meant a lot it's given us a lot of clout within the podcast community so thank Mm you definitely so um i have so many honorable mentions (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so um, just to clarify, um, Rachel, define for our lovely listeners and Queen Julia, uh, what do we mean by the term fine wine film list? Well, for me, a fine wine film list means that these movies only get better with time, they only get better with multiple viewings, and at any stage in your life, you can watch them and hopefully see something new and 
it, whether it's a new joke that you missed or a new whatever. And that's how I, what, am I, am I on the right track? I think you nailed it. That's, cool. that's exactly what it is. Fine wine right. film list is to me, a film that I watch and it doesn't matter how many times I've watched it. Yeah. Every new viewing of it blows my mind in a different way or it's something like that. It's laugh in a different way it's or literally a movie that gets better with age or a movie that you think will always stand the test of time. Like movies that, or perhaps even I had a couple of these, perhaps even a film that continues to get redefined for you oh, because every yes, new chapter of your so life, many of those. it means yes. more like the, 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 the one on my number two on my list is all about like, Holy crap. Every time I watch it at a new phase of my life, it, it means something completely different. Completely. So find one film list. And that's kind of where we're at. So Rachel obviously right. had a hard time narrowing down her. So list. hard. And I'm almost wondering if I should save all of my um, honorable mentions until the very end. Cause I don't know. I have a feeling we might have one or two that are the same. What do you think? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Especially since your list is pretty big. Right. So let's dive into the list. And then if you pick one of mine, I'll just swap it out for an honorable mention. And then afterwards I'll list all my other ones that were on there. Beautiful. I really only had two honorable mentions, but one of them was really, really hard not to put on right? my top five, but I just didn't have room. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I was putting this list together, uh, two days ago, no, I put the list, I started the list like a few weeks ago, but then two days ago I finished it. Right. And I spent probably 10 minutes rearranging the order of Yes. My You're going to laugh at some of mine because some of mine seem really like stupid, but I'll explain why. But I think yours are going to be much more meaningful and mine are going to be like, oh not. yeah, that goes but... without contest. Um, <laughs> Obviously. Because no as, as we've discovered, you are basic, I am not. Obviously. We topped it off at the beginning of this episode. My list is going to be basic AF. So. Um, get ready for that. Yeah, get it. So why don't Rachel, you start us off? Us off? You want me to start it off? Yeah, huh? I feel like I feel like you haven't started off in a while. I haven't. No. Start um, it off. It's nice start to be in the driver's seat. Off thanks, the uh, list. thanks for uh, sharing the love. It's nice You're to be in the welcome. driver's seat. So, I'm uh, all hopped up on pumpkin spice latte, so I have got nothing but love to get give. it. And you know, I'm sipping water out of a glass that I unintentionally stole from a Chinese restaurant five years ago. <laughs> So, How do you unintentionally steal a glass? I'm totally not making happen? this up, by the way. Listen to me slurp. <laughs> ah, we so, didn't just put that in and post. That's a real slurp. Yeah, totally. Um, so quick little story there. Uh, I was in high school. So maybe it was more than five years ago, like 10 years ago. I was in high school. Oh, and I got fine who get it? We were in, I was in high school and I was at the Chinese buffet with my best friend. Her name was Jenny. I'll keep her last name out of this just in case the authorities Good. are listening. Good call. And we were talking about just stuff that we like to rip off from restaurants and everything like that. And I wasn't paying attention and she swiped this cup and put it in her purse and she left <gasps> it in my car. Oh, snap. So you yep. didn't really unintentionally, she stole it sort of for you. Yeah, totally. Okay. And I've All had right. it ever since. You were just an accessory to the crime. You're fine. It's one of those classic, like, uh, big blue uh, hard plastic cups oh, with a Pepsi oh, logo nice. on it. It's kind oh, of see-through. Classic, classic. So every time I get it, uh, or every time I drink water out of it, I just crave egg rolls. So totally. that's kind of cool. There you go. So now you so all know what I'm doing when we're done recording. <laughs> as well. So um, as that's a perfect segue, find wine film list. <laughs> um, because like that story, it gets better with age, right? Oh. Maybe bravo, no. bravo. No, that that deserves. Thank you. Bad. Um, so I am uh adding professional recoverer on my resume. Definitely. Uh -huh. Okay, so fine wine film list. My top five. I'm gonna start with number five. Um, here we go. Good place. I'm gonna say a bold statement. All right. Ooh. 
surprise. Oh. It never happens for me, right? No. So bold statement. You're never polarizing. <laughs> never at all, especially <laughs> with my beloved comic book. <laughs> I was literally going to be like, especially when you're talking about comic book. Uh, my beloved comic book trolls, I love you. You're my people. Mm. Um, okay. The number five is, I believe, uh, to be one of the top three, maybe second greatest film ever made in the history of cinema. Ooh. This is a really, really big deal. And I put yeah. it number five on my five fine wine film list. Doesn't mean it's the f- fifth best movie ever made. Right, right. It just means it's not quite as fine wine-ish as the other ones in my life. Fine wine Because this is a very subjective thing. But I think this is the greatest comedy ever made. And I think it's a film that not only represents one of the greatest filmmakers of our time, one of the one of the greatest actors we have ever seen as well, but it also continues, it, it covers subject matter that was incredibly relevant at the time, and it has sadly never stopped being relevant because of the current state so of many hostility of my around the world. On here. Yeah, we're like that as well. And this is a film where I got introduced to it when I was like 14 and I loved it. And the older I got and the more I understood what was really going on, the more it blew my mind for the social commentary aspect of it, because I could be laughing this hard and marveling this much at acting performances in a zany arena while I'm kind of having my shit rocked by the fact that this is saying some really intense stuff and important things top it all off to the fact that, it was filmed by arguably the greatest framer of cinema, Stanley Kubrick. My number five fine wine film has to be Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Yeah, I figured that would be on your list. I mean, I was I do some internet research when I'm brainstorming, and that was on pretty much every list of like movies that are still good that are old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, for those exact reasons, it's the perfect, uh, it's such a plethora of talent that how could it not be a fine wine? Well, how could it Peter not just Sellers be Peter playing I mean, four different characters and... Hello. George C. Scott being incredibly zany and hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it's a film that doesn't take itself too seriously. But at the oh, same absolutely. time, it it's not it's not fluff. It just it's totally. it's almost like it's it's almost like the only one that stands on its own in this arena of like, okay, we know exactly what we're doing. We want everyone to laugh, but at the same time, if you're really thinking about it then we could shift your worldview with this. Right. And of course, in Stanley Kubrick fashion, he does it completely objective with the characters. He allows you to judge them. And mm-hmm. he also gives absolutely zero Fs about who is watching it and just tells the story he wants to tell. Totally. But yeah, greatest comedy of all time, a film that I, I think I've seen this film maybe seven times, maybe yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and every single time I pick up another, a different nugget about it and it sparks a trail of maybe a week or two of me thinking about something that I hadn't thought about before right. or in a way I had never thought about it before, all the while being wildly entertained and marveling at everything that I've just seen. And that's a that's a tough feat. Um, apparently not for Kubrick, but for anybody else, but we yeah, all know. I could have just done a fine wine list of Kubrick titles. I know, I know. It's ridiculous. No, mm-hmm. that's a solid out of the gate pick. And uh, I agree 100%. Uh, you're going to be grossly disappointed Get by it. mine. <laughs> Get it, basic Rachel. Get I know, it. I know. I'm like, here we go. So, and like I said, some of these you might not understand, but I think I just picked ones that are very near and dear to my heart. And on my honorable mentions, I have more sort of pragmatic, like non-biased fine wines, but at least number five and probably number so four are definitely like Rachel's You're telling fine me wines. your fine wine list is like 
buying screw top bottles from CVS mm-hmm. and then your honorable mentions list is like going to a winery and getting the real shit. In Napa Valley. Correct. I get it. Okay. Absolutely. Just so making my, sure we're on the same page. I don't want Julia yeah. to get No, confused. that was a perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. Um, my number five movies that get better with time. Don't know how many times I've seen this film. For some reason, I, I feel the urge to cry happy tears when I watch it. I mean, for some reasons, because I cried everything, but I was going to say, wait, 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 Rachel, since, since when do you cry yeah. when watching films? Yeah. <laughs> Only every day. Um, but Ghostbusters is my number five. The original <laughs> yeah. Ghostbusters, it just keeps getting better. I'm, I don't I, know what to say. I, I don't love know how. so much that you brought that in here. I, I just think, I think with the cast, with the script, with how everybody at that point in their lives was, every comedian that was in that film was like at the top of their game. And it's just so much fun. And I don't know how you could like watch Ghostbusters and feel sad or feel... Like, it's boring. Like, it still holds up. It's still, like, I can't wait to show my future children Ghostbusters. And I don't really have much more to say about it other than I, I think it gets better with time. And it's crazy because it's an effects-driven movie um, with practical effects and CGI. And it it's so good. It looks great. It's still hilarious. It's still so much fun. And it's Ghostbusters. What more? I mean, it's got the best theme song of any film ever Ghostbusters made. Ghostbusters is totally mic drop worthy. So, yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't need to struggle to find right? more words. I mean, I will there say that. Ghostbusters is my second favorite comedy right behind Dr. Strangelove. Right? So and, and, it's and not we a both Kubrick, talked but... about Exactly. And we both talked about our love for Ghostbusters on multiple occasions. Oh, yeah. On the we've podcast. talked up and down about so, it. Yeah. And, and, and that's a film that, like, I remember watching that film, being exposed to it when I was really, really young yep. and laughing watching it with my older brother. And yep. then growing up into a teenager and being, and let that being a movie that I frequently watched with my dad. And totally. then having that be a movie that just brings me comfort. And I know. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Ghostbusters is going to be a fixture in my daughter's life. It's totally. just one of those films. It's just one of those movies that if it's on TV, I can't skip past it. I mean, I can't in good conscience skip past Ghostbusters because I know I'm going to enjoy it. So I literally will watch it anytime it's on TV. Yep. So good. So there you go. My number Rock five. On. We bust out of the gate. Nicely done. So we've covered two of the greatest comedies. Ever <laughs> yeah, made, yeah, right? yeah. We're off to a great start. Nicely done. So I'm going to just, I'm kind of realizing now that my list is really heavy. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that would be, I knew, but I'm so happy because mine is so light. So it's going to be a perfect comp. Because I just kind of did a quick run through whatever. And I'm like, Dr. Strangelove. No, mine is going to be the complete opposite. And I think that's going to make this episode great. Because even though Strangelove is a comedy, it's like the most heavy handed, profound comedy. Oh my God, yeah. Totally. And now I'm just about to, I, the, my last four, I'm just going to get progressively deeper into the feels. We're <laughs> swimming in the this. ocean of feels, baby. We're, we're getting in. Yeah. Okay. I'll so be the, I'll be the basic uh, mood lightener every other time. So, that's so you'll be the pumpkin spice flavored wine. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes. So yes. great. Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah, man. Ghostbusters, what do you want? (laughs) Okay. So completely shifting gears from laughing to getting to something kind of serious. Um, Well, I'm just going to be serious the rest of the way here. Right. right. Um, I'm going to go brooding. This is a serious podcast. This is very serious. So he's approaching the list. He's about to tee off with his number four title. And once he releases it, we'll see what the audience thinks. All right. Um, we're a little worried that it might end up in the in the rough, but yep. hopefully he's prepared enough notes to uh, get it back on the straight and narrow. We'll see. We'll have to see. Okay. So number four, <laughs> this is really strange because 
this film is a titan and by a titan i mean both in length literally and- thought you were gonna say titanic you want to talk about fine wine it's a young leo and a young kate and a i didn't want to talk about paps blue ribbon <laughs> <laughs> yeah pinkies out wearing your wife beaters and holding Get them out. <laughs> okay so number four, it's a very long movie. It's a titan of a film. It's the only one that's been daring enough to effectively tackle the subject matter. And it's an Oliver Stone film, which means it's polarizing. Love Oliver Stone. I Love freaking him. know. And, and I honestly think this may be the best edited film. Ooh. In the history of cinema. I love well-edited movies. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> good that was kind of an anticlimactic thing so you're like i love well edited movies what a what a concept okay. yeah. wow so you like the finish you like the you like the switches to be clean guys i like this is crazy i like good movies mm, interesting you should start a <laughs> podcast that sink in. <laughs> we totally should okay i'm sorry I, i'll stop i'll stop i promise guys we're not drunk she's drinking coffee and i'm, I'm high on water. pumpkin spice Mm. Okay. okay, so okay. this film um, kind of was the Kickstarter for me to become a massive obsessor for this topic. Mm-hmm. I wrote a research paper about this in high school and in college and have mm-hmm. read countless books about this, very strong opinions about it. But it's it's such a well-made film. This is the first time, I think I was exposed to this film when I was 15 or 16. And this was the first time me watching something on this grand of a scale where both this many A-list actors and actresses said yes to smaller roles. Mm-hmm. And it was the first film I remember seeing Um, And feeling very physically and emotionally unsettled, Mm -hmm. having my paradigm shifted, and then also just marveling at what the capacity for a massive, talented cast can do. Mm -hmm. So this film is the master of small detail, polarizing subject matter, and of course, every single time I watch it, I pick something else up new, especially in relation to an opinion I think I have about this particular subject, because there is just so much freaking material in this film i think it's one of the top 100 greatest movies ever made as well um kevin smith lists this as one of his favorite movies as well i just i could i could talk for hours about the cultural significance about this movie and how much it has grown on me so number four is jfk oh wow i i wasn't i didn't know where you were going with oliver stone but i know that you love jfk so much so i'm not surprised but mitch i have not seen jfk oh i know i know we cannot I be friends. It. I know. I and I honestly, I accept that and understand that. We'll just have to continue this podcast as mortal enemies until I see I'm, it. I'm I'm willing to FedEx you my copy. I mean, is it available for streaming? I have Hulu, Amazon, and Netflix. It has to be on one of those, right? I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, or at least it used to be. If not, I bet Amazon has it. Yeah. No, I, so, I and you know what's funny, Mitch? But it's three and a half hours long. So I know, gotta... I know, but I'm totally cool with that. I'm I'm honestly totally cool with that. But when I was growing up, our movie theater. Um, this is totally not going to make sense to anyone and no one will care, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, when you would go to the bathrooms, you'd walk up this big set of stairs and the JFK poster was always there. And I always, I love biopics. I love Oliver Stone and I love John F. Kennedy. And I don't know why I've never seen this film and I've always wanted to see it. So maybe this will be the nail in the coffin. That's not Well, sorry, JFK. Too soon, too soon, too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to explain the the experience of this movie because this this is what i would consider an immersive film 
where you get thrown into a different time period, a different era, and you are going through the wading through the waters of pandemonium, paranoia, right. communism, and trying to uncover the truth with masterful filmmaking and acting. The, I got exposed to this movie when I was like 16. So obviously right. it was way after this movie came out because the movie right. made, was made in 1992. So it was a couple of years ago. There's a movie theater not far from where I was living in Fort Worth that was doing a rescreening of this in the movie. Oh, that's theater. cool. I love when they do that. Exactly. And I went because I knew that with the sound, the editing, and, and the visceral experience that is just right up there in your face that I, I knew that it would be a transformative experience to see it in the yeah, theater. Totally. And I can honestly say that that was like one of the top 10 best movie theater experiences of my life. I love I, those experiences. And I, I there's so few and far between. And I don't even care. Oh, totally. You would do it all over again. I would totally do it all over again. Yeah. And this is, we're, we're talking, if you're not familiar with this movie, we're talking Kevin Costner when he was good. When uh, he was Tommy, good. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones you. getting an Academy Award nomination Tommy for the film. What? That's bonkers. Sissy, Sissy Spacek, Joe oh, Pesci, um, I mean, Gary Oldman, uh, so so many of these people. Like, Laurie Metcalf. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely Nonsense. incredible, this cast. And, and this film, what I love the most about it is Oliver Stone. What, this may be the most perfect movie he made because it is, obviously we know Oliver Stone makes really big movies. He likes yes. to tackle big projects. Oh, yeah. This Loves may be it. the most subtly detailed and nuanced and brilliantly focused film I've ever seen. And this is arguably the largest topic he's ever covered. Right. Are you, yeah. you're looking forward to Snowden, aren't you? Oh yes, totally. Snowden. You know, I am, but I'm not sure about that voice that, that he is doing. I, I'm not sure either, but I it's don't not know yet. I know. I know. I think I'll have to see it in its full capacity to really it's judge it. My money. Yeah. I, Oh, totally. And as I think as well, it should, I mean, regardless, it's Oliver Stone and, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a great actor. I just, I'm not sure about that choice yet, but we'll see. Yep. But anyway, sorry. Yes, I, I really want to see JFK, and I totally understand um, why we're not friends. There's no excuse for me not having seen it, because it appeals to every single one of my, like, interests in a movie, so. Yep, pretty much. That's it. Cool. Um, number four. This one was really difficult for me to place. Um, it was between two movies, and I literally just changed my mind 30 seconds ago, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but this is one of my all-time personal favorite movies. I think it's probably my second favorite horror film of all time, and it scared me from the moment I saw it when I was, like, five years old, and I watch it on average every year. And for some reason, every time I watch it, I notice that it's so much more than a scary movie. It's so much more than a monster or whatever it's or whatever you want to call it. I guess it'll make sense when I say the title, but it's, it's just a fantastic film uh, all around um, with incredible dialogue, incredible acting and wonderful filmmaking. And I think Jaws for me gets scarier yes. and better every time I oh, watch it. Oh man, right? I love where our lists are going. It's such a fantastic film. And every time I see it, especially as an adult, because I would only watch it as a kid to really get scared. And I wouldn't really pay attention to the dialogue. But it's a really rich tapestry and story of this. It's so much more about the sheriff than it is about the shark. And and but then it's also, I mean, the the score and the the cinematography and it's it hits this primal fear, but it's also just a very real story about family and this man struggling and trying to save everybody and trying to do the right thing. And and um, I, I love it. And I really think it gets better every time I watch it. Another long movie, especially for a quote unquote horror movie, isn't it like two hours and 10 minutes or something? Horror slash action movie. Yeah, slash uh, drama. It's, it's really an interesting movie. 
But you know what? You know what though? The the emotional experiences are so extreme in that film yes, that it probably yes. flies. I, I feel like it flies by a little bit faster than normal because it's like, oh, it's holy totally crap, does. holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. Okay, yeah. let me catch my breath for a little bit. Holy yes. crap, holy crap, holy crap. Yes. And then you're like, oh, junk, I just shit my pants. Yep, right? yep, yep, exactly. And I, 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 I've, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie and I never, again, never gets old to me, ever. Never does. And no. And I think it also does a wonderful job of playing. What I love most about Jaws is it's a psychological fear experience for the movie. Yes. But the whole thing takes place during daytime. I know. I know. There's literally one scene where the shark attacks at night and, and you don't even really see anything. And it's one of the and most memorable scenes, but it's, it's that definitely not, not the scariest. And that may not seem like a really big deal, but I dare you listeners oh, to go oh. back and list all of the films that get under your bones or show you a real fearful side or, or movies that just really affect you like that or suspenseful or thrilling, most of them take place inherently in the evening. This is a film where Spielberg said, you know what? I'm going to make everyone afraid of the one thing that everyone loves, which yep. is the beach. Yep. And I'm going to do it in the middle of the sunshine. Yep. And Jaws made me afraid of any water. I, I was scared of pools after Jaws. I was scared of my bathtub after Jaws. And I, I'm... I hate when I go into any body of water and can't see what's like beyond my feet. And I literally will just have that film has just imprinted those images on my head forever. And I'm like, great. I love it. I, I love getting scared. You guys know, if you've listened to this podcast, I love horror movies. And this one continues to scare the ever living crap out of me every time I watch it. So it's my number four. And I would definitely say that that belongs on the list of like, I'm actually kind of wanting to put this together maybe publish it somewhere the list what i would consider my top 100 movies everyone should see before yes, they die 100 percent. jaws is on there oh without a doubt without and, a doubt and that's because it's that's a film that transcends whether you're a movie fan or not that's a movie totally. where ev everyone should you see put it, it no you put it perfectly you put it absolutely perfectly well, that's what I do. I do things perfectly. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and totally, my wife would agree. I mean, Obviously. Our spouses yeah. would have no problem agreeing to that immediately. That's right. Anyway, shout out to Marissa, who's probably not listening because she doesn't like my movies. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, okay. Uh, going down the deep, dark path here. Uh, number three is... Um, it depends on my mood, either my all-time favorite movie or my second favorite movie, but it's okay. usually like tied for number one. Totally. Uh, this is a film that introduced me to music, to Ooh, envy, I I know what this is and to be. absolutely incredible dialogue writing. Yes. And this, Can I guess it, Mitch? Can I guess it? it? Just let me say one more thing, and then I'll okay. let you guess it. Okay. This film is... I think probably one of the closest things to a perfect film that has ever been made. Mm -hmm. It completely redefined the way people tell stories about music and the way they infuse music into stories and also allowing um, movie companies to cast relatively unknowns and trusting them to wield some of the best performances Hollywood or, has ever seen. If I, or if I'm guessing correctly, uh, actors that have sort of had their day in the sun and, mm -hmm. and aren't really um, huge anymore. Exactly. And this, and this film, um, the first time I saw it, I think I was 10 years old. And Ooh. I've watched it 
probably 20, 25 times. And every time I managed to get an emotional reaction or cry at a different part of the movie than the time before. Oh, and no, what, sure. what freaks me out so much is that every time I watch this movie, the main envious character I find myself identifying with more and more as I experience right. more disappointment totally. and adulthood. And that's part of what gets it under your skin so much. Yep. Do you want to guess? Is that high fidelity? It's not high fidelity. Oh. But I do love that movie. I know, but it started I, about halfway through your last thing. I was like, mm, I don't know. It might be yeah. a little heavy for high fidelity. But yeah, definitely heavier than that. <laughs> My number three movie is Amadeus. I, that was literally, Mitch, I, I, that was like, it's either going to be high fidelity or Amadeus. And we've, yep. we've talked about this film and your love for it for all mm -hmm. of those reasons. It's, yeah, fan I freaking tastic. I attribute my love for cinema to a few small a few or a short collect. list of movies. A, yep. a few collects that really influenced me at an early age and Amadeus is on that list. Oh, it, 100% without a doubt for you, it, yeah. It is the the cool thing about this film too is even if you don't like Mozart or you don't necessarily like classical music, you don't know much matter. about it. It doesn't matter because it's, it's a perfect a, film. It's a film about the the world of human um human imperfection and envy mm -hmm. and and doing anything you can to try to be number one and if that's right. that's something anybody in american culture can identify with and it's supremely acted f marie abraham's performance as antonio salieri is one of the greatest things my eyes have ever beholden yeah it's it's amazing and so this is a film that it's i mean it's kind of a niche film but at the same time you don't it's definitely have to... doesn't it's definitely an underrated film that's for yeah, sure or at least it, like a forgotten film i feel a like forgotten film because it, won, it won best picture best actor yeah. best director yeah, best totally. costuming and then best like you, for, you totally yeah it doesn't you don't ever hear about it anymore but man some of those scenes and, and the dialogue that peter schaffer wrote the late peter schaffer who died recently rest in peace yeah the the dialogue that that Peter Schaffer wrote for the play in that, in that show is, is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. So Amadeus is a film that I think would help um, broaden people's paradigms if they're not super familiar with the genre, but realize that they could dive deeply into it without having to be an expert about totally. it. Totally. This is a film that grows on me every time. And I love masochistically, I love the feeling of unsettling that I get by wanting to root for Salieri in this Right, film. right. So, yep, yeah, it's a uh, fantastico. I agree. Um, so my number three, again, I just changed this because I'm having the same problem you did with placement and I keep looking at my damn list and I'm changing it, <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. So my number three is um, a movie that I loved. Actually, I, d I got introduced to this film later in life. I think it was like 17 or 18 and I fell in love with it immediately. I was totally unfamiliar with... Um, any of the work done by the director and really the main actor. And I watch it every year. And as I get older, it makes me cry harder and harder. Literally, I cry earlier and earlier every viewing and for a longer <laughs> amount of time. So, That's so how I know it's good. Now you just start crying when the opening credits <laughs> opening start, cre don't you? Title card, done. <laughs> um, but It's a Wonderful Life is one of, I think, the best films ever made. It's a perfectly crafted film. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. And it... Um, resonates with me more and more as I get older every year and as family expands for me and, and the definition of family and relationships change for me. And it's such a heart-wrenching, gorgeous, beautiful story. And I, I love it. I think it's great. 
We talked a lot about this during the Christmas episode, yes. naturally. Naturally. But this is another one of those films that belongs on the list of 100 movies everyone should see yep. before they die. And Frank Capra is a genius, and Jimmy Stewart is... I can't even how incredible he is. Jimmy Stewart is an American treasure. Like, yes, he is. Yeah, him and Paul Newman and Robert Redford and but like those even off the top of my head, I'm just like yeah. Jimmy Stewart even managed to transcend just the Hollywood game. Like I'm thinking oh, yeah. if if we built like a Mount Rushmore of five or six faces yeah. of just Americans that really represented the, the best of whatever we want our country to be represented by, yes. I think he would be in conversation to be on that, on that. A hundred percent. And rightfully so. He's a and, genius and, and is such a sweet giant heart that walks around. And walks. it's a wonderful life is kind of like the jewel in his crown. Uh-huh. And, and, and rightfully so. And, and that's a film that really, you want to talk about a film that's ahead of its time. Oh, ex that's exactly it. Like that, Mitch, is that, that film it was... captures the human condition better than anything. And that movie came out way, way early for that conversation. Yeah. Oh. And, and how many times has that, that narrative style been used to be or all been like, tried oh, to be or used. been tried to be used or, or made fun of or reimagined or anything yeah. like that? Like this, and this it's not, film, you can't hold a candle to it. It's a Wonderful Life is the very definition of trend setting. And yeah. because it's one of those films, then naturally it's going to mean different things to you the older you get because of the subject matter. Yeah. And I have a humble break by connotation, but my dad, after watching this movie, wrote uh, to, to Frank Capra, the director, and my dad's a, a director as well. And he was just a kid, you know, and wrote to him and talked about making movies. And he has a, a signed photograph from Frank that says, Brian, good luck with your first sound picture or so, you know because my dad had just started filming with cameras that could record with sound and it's signed and it's hanging in his office and it's probably his most like prized possession it's just beautiful and i think he was an in incredible man and um it's definitely on the list of films that you have to have to have to see so I absolutely amazing it. that's a cool story yeah. too yeah rock on good yeah. work thank you bringing an american classic up in there yeah an afi classic for sure Definitely. Um, I'm going to bring up what I consider to be one of the greatest American class, modern classics. Okay. This is where um, I think we might get, have a duplicate. We just might. We, we just, just I, might. I had a feeling putting this on my list that you and I might both put this yeah, on there. Yeah. Um, because we both have very strong feelings about this film. So if that's the case, we can both talk about it and totally. just kind of let totally it roll. Good. Totally. So um, I think this is a mic drop worthy type movie, but let me just say, I think it is... Yeah, yes, it's the best coming of age film I think ever made. I know. Uh, yep, it's my number two. I know what it is. And it's my number two as well. So yep. I was going to say Stand By Me. Oh, I was going to say Breakfast Club. But yes, we can talk about both. <laughs> I love that we're like literally on the same page, but one detail. But um, yeah. yeah, Stand By Me, I saw at a really young age too. And it totally changed my life. Like it, it's... I loved seeing kids my age talk and communicate and and adventure the way I was. And yes. that, I hadn't seen that before. Um, I mean, I didn't find dead bodies when I was a kid. So well, like, but was but just dialogue-wise. Uh, the 30th anniversary of this film being released was a couple weeks ago. And I encourage you, if you haven't yet, go to rollingstone.com and check out the uh, recovering of the 30th anniversary that they talked about this film. And uh, watch, the, the, watch it for River Phoenix alone. Oh, oh my gosh. God. This, this is a film that I, I thought really long and hard about putting this as my number one because Stand By Me is a film 
that um, I think literally, not for the sake of hyperbole, but literally changes me a little bit every mm-hmm. single time I watch it. I agree. And, and maybe the most perfect closing line oh, of a film that's gosh. not actually spoken. Yep. And, it, th- this, and, and what I think about this film is probably what speaks to me the most is just, just so damn realistic. Like, I know. They, it's they so were, grateful to yes. watch. I'm so grateful to watch something that's without the rose colored glasses and totally. just says, you know what? This is, this is what childhood was like in this area for yes. these people at this time. At this and guess age. what? It still is. It still is today. We just have more gadgets and shit, but essentially we're all going through the same. And that's what I think is a common thread in all these films is like, it's the human condition period at different stages in your life or with different stages of conflict or whatever. But essentially it's all the same human experience, right? Exactly. And, and the, I think it is so brilliant because it's the perfect conjunction of an incredible film director in Rob Reiner and oh, Stephen King amazing. providing the source material. Oh my gosh. And it this is, is another so- Richard Dreyfus movie. So we have two go Dreyfus. <laughs> Get it dry, dry. Um, (laughs) The thing that I love the most about it is it is, this is a masterful example of how to subtly and organically and authentically infuse different layers of, of, of combative drama into a character's uh, psyche. And I think that's perfectly wrapped up in the character, Teddy played by Corey Feldman. Who is incredible, he, amazing. He's incredible in this film, but he, he it's very clear that he comes from a shit yes. life with parents yep. that don't give two Chaos. craps about him. Yep. And then the moment some other guy insults his father for being crazy, he wants to attack him and defend yep. his father's honor. Yep. And there's just things like that littered all throughout this movie. And you know what? That's what makes modern American childhood so complicated. It's not just the hormones and it's not just finding friends that you do things with. It's also realizing, you know what? I'm attempting to figure who I am, figure out who I am and do it alongside adults who still are trying to figure out and are doing a good job at it. And I think stand by me is just, um, I had a thought in my head that was really good and I've lost it, but Oh, it's, it's Americana like to a T it's just one of those perfect like but on honest Americana it's not a rose-colored glasses Americana it's true Americana and the cast this is why I love Stranger Things so much is because it reminded me so much of Stand By Me and I've never seen more than I can probably count on my hand like maybe five to ten films where it's a cast of children that carry the movie and are so insanely talented and four out of those like actually almost all five of those kids are still working to this day as adults and are still incredibly talented and you've got Kiefer Sutherland and you've it's just it's a fantastic perfect movie I couldn't agree more. This yeah. is um, a film everyone should see, a film that is perfect, a film that manages to surface both nostalgic and new emotions with yep. every single viewing. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I've been talking about it so much lately because of Stranger Things because I try to like give it as an example for people that haven't watched it. I'm like, do you like Stand By Me? Then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Stranger Things is like Stand By Me meets a story told by Steven Spielberg meets right. X-Files. And right. It's like exactly. a perfect conjunction. Exactly. Oh, okay, so my number two works well with this because for Stand By Me, that, that's the coming of age story between the ages of like 10 and 15. And this, my number two, which I've already said is Breakfast Club is like from 15 to 18. And that, this move, Breakfast Club to me is like, 
it changed my life when I watched it because I didn't feel so insane. I didn't feel so stupid and ugly and crazy and dumb. I felt like, oh, okay, this must be what other people go through. This must be a thing that people have struggled with since before I was born. You know, figuring out who you are, figuring out and wanting to be liked and, and not knowing what path you're going to take. And I, it was, I, the breakfast club is another one that I can't freaking wait to show my kids. Um, and I mean, it opens with David Bowie's changes lyric. And for that, to me, it's like, that's a song that will live on for that, like thousands of years because of how well it describes what we all go through at one point. And breakfast club takes all those archetypes and weaves them together so beautifully of all those people in high school that you could point out and makes them human. It's not just a jock. It's not just a prep. It's not just a nerd. It, it's, I love it. I love, love, love Breakfast Club. One of my favorite films of all time. And I think will stay in history as one of the greatest coming of age stories ever. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, Breakfast Club's in my top five favorite films yeah. of all time as well. Yeah. And I think... I mean, as someone, I'm a, I'm a published playwright. I write, uh, I, I do a lot of freelance writing on the internet for different periodicals and different websites. I love writing dialogue. I love being creative and producing content like that. So as someone who is doing everything that he can to make sure that part of his life's, lifestyle and living comes from making words, right? I can honestly tell you that The Breakfast Club is like the one script that I wish I could take credit for. I know. <laughs> Everyone does. Everyone. It's so, it's so, it's a brilliant conjunction of, like you Perfect. said, it, it's like John Hughes sat in a room and was listening to David Bowie and said, what if I took archetypes and humanized them over the yep. course of an hour and a half? Yep. And it's and just it done perfectly, perfectly well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, this is just becoming a list of everything that I think everyone should watch before they yeah. die. This I one's on there. That, that, and, I, I completely agree. And some of the best homework I've ever had. It wasn't the first time I got exposed to this film, but I took a class in college where this was required watching. Oh, and thank God. Yeah, right? So the people class. that hadn't seen it yet were changed. Yeah, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. We've talked I about can... it probably on like four different episodes and I'll never, never not like love it and recommend it and want to talk about it. So. And I will say one last thing about that film is uh, this was one of the other really cool movie theater experiences I've had. I went to a rescreening of it at a movie theater, I think, three Damn, years ago. They're so cool that they do that, those rescreenings. It is. So it's, awesome. it's so awesome. And I tell you what, I sat in this full movie house on a Wednesday night. It was almost completely full. And there, and I was 25 at the time, 26. And there were people that were younger than me and people representative of like every decade older than me up mm -hmm. to like 65 oh, yeah. in that movie theater. And it's like, you could feel the energy of everyone being influenced by yep. this story. Yep. That that's, and that's the very definition. Because of it transcends, it transcends generations and times and, and, yep. and whatever it, it totally does. Ugh. And it's it. also just like a great film that just for the sake of structure and everything, it's a film that didn't try to push too much. Like it's no, it's, it's a film so... that's got loads of comedy and it's only like an hour and 28 minutes. I know. And it, it's got like so much depth and, and packed into it, but it's not, yeah, it's not like shoved down your throat. It's not, I don't, it's just such, such a good movie. I love don't, John Hughes. Rest don't you forget about me. Don't you, I never will. Mm. That's my number two. Ah, beautiful. Okay. So, um, my number one, because 
I'm excited. I had to have Paul Thomas Anderson. On I there. okay. I was like, when I I, I, mean, <laughs> I had a feeling it was gonna be your number one, but I was like, there's gotta be a PTA on here somewhere. That, that was honestly the deciding factor between That's Stand By so Me number funny. one or number one was. I was like, it's PTA. He's gotta be number one. <laughs> He's gotta be. Okay. That's now, awesome. granted, I, like I said with Kubrick, I could have done this just with PTA. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, because I think Paul. We should do an episode where we pick like we did with actors. We should do one with directors. We should, because I think Paul Thomas Anderson may be the closest thing to Stanley Kubrick I'm going to see you in my lifetime. Him. You are you are so in love with him, and it's so warranted. It's totally warranted. Dude is a genius. He's a genius. So, um, and he's it, married to Maya Rudolph, and she's amazing, and they're incredible. Pretty much. Pretty much. So I will say that it was a question of not is Paul Thomas Anderson going to be on my list. It's which but one. Which, I'm which one? I know. I had the same struggle too. I was like, I kind of want to put four Paul Thomas Anderson movies back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could have just done Kubrick and PTA and been fine. Totally. And yeah, then all of our listeners would have been like, really? <laughs> no, I, I think, I don't think you can argue with that. If you want to go up against Kubrick and Paul Thomas Anderson, you don't want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, okay, I, everything that I said about loving the masochistic type experience of the unsettling that I get when watching Amadeus, let's triple that yeah. <laughs> and throw in also my favorite actor of all time and throw in oh. Twisted Faith as a subject matter. And I'm going to say The Master is the and ultimate I, fine wine movie. And I mean, you could have said for like we talked about. I mean, I thought about putting Boogie Nights. I thought about putting Punch Drunk Love. He is a masterful creator of insane art, and I love him. And The Master is a film I've only. I mean, the the film isn't super old. No, um, yeah, it, it came out in 2012, I believe. Yeah, and um, it's it, it, like with most Paul Thomas Anderson movies, it's it's hard to watch because it's a Paul slow Thomas burn Anderson, too. It is, and and PTA makes you live in a world of watching unsettling characters, but he films them judgment free. Right. And so it's like I literally just have to watch these horrible people live. But I've only seen. This, <laughs> so I've, I've literally, I, I think I've only seen this movie three times, maybe four times. Yeah. Every single time. It's a I've, lot to digest. It's a lot every, to digest. Every single time I've watched it, it's completely ruined. It's ruined yeah. me. It's yeah. it's hijacked my mental capacity. Yeah, 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 yeah. It alters my mood, and I just marvel at Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, and and the late Philip Seymour Hoffman's ability yeah. to craft something so realistic. Uh, this film, I think slow burn is a perfect way to put it, Rachel. This film is like you have a cigarette and it's mm -hmm. being put out over and over and over again on your arm until yeah. you stop feeling the effects of it so much after burn 15. Mm -hmm. And then when the whole thing is done, you look down at your arm and realize, what have I done to myself yeah. yep. and why am I smiling? Yeah. And, th and this is a film that challenges you to think about sexuality. It challenges you to think about what is purpose for humanity. Yep. And yep. it challenges you to think about what am I truly motivated by? Am I motivated by vanity and, and, and the pursuit of influence? Am I motivated by just sheer connection? What happens if one of those gets polluted against my will? Right. What happens if I don't know who I am? Th this is right. a film that masterfully, no pun intended, answers all of those questions with delicious ambiguity yeah yep and i'm serious amy adams gave me nightmares oh and rightfully so with her oh my god and her just eyes oh she's and, amazing and i said before philip seymour hoffman is my favorite actor of all time this is top five performance for him totally absolutely i'm taking it down a completely different road but i i hope <laughs> good deal <laughs> wait oh my god can i set it up 
I'm taking it down a completely different road, but where we're going, we don't need roads because my number one is Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to do it. it. I had to do it. Um, yeah, uh, Back to the Future is one of my favorite films of all time. It's one of those movies that I hope to God they never remake. I'm so... I, I just don't want to see anybody try and replicate it because it's too perfect. It makes me cry every time. It's so much fun, but it's got so much heart. It's such an original story. It's amazing, and I love it. And it's one of my favorite films of all time, and it seems so ridiculous to pair it with all these other sort of heavy-hitting... But it, no, it's not, it right? Not. It's it not. This is on the list of movies everyone should watch before they die. Uh -huh. Robert Zemeckis has come out and said that they will not remake this film Thank as long as he's God. alive. So yep. as long as we can keep him alive for forever. <laughs> Let's make him some sort of cyborg, <laughs> please. <laughs> and let me just say, like, okay, so films on my list and films on your list. Like, I had JFK, Stand By yeah. Me, and The Master. You had yeah. Back to the Future, Breakfast Club. And you Jaws. Know, those, and, and Jaws. Can, can I just say how incredible movies are yeah. when you're using original material uh, and how varied they can be in plot or whatever, but they're on the same back, level of brilliance. Back to the future and back to the future part two are arguably two of the most creatively brilliant movies ever made. And they're 100% original. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't adapted from something. It didn't come from a play or a TV show or a little novella nope. or anything like that. It, it came was... out of the brainchild of Steven Spielberg and, and Robert Zemeckis. And it's incredible. And Alan Silvestri score and Huey Lewis and the news. Oh my and... God. I mean, Golly. it's just a perfect, I didn't even grow up in the eighties and I feel nostalgic every time I watch it. Back it's... to the future is just a damn fine movie. Yeah. And it's my number one. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so rattle through real quick. Here's a minute or two, your honorable mentions. I want to see okay. everything else you left on the table. Here we go. Clerks, American Beauty, Superbad, Blue Valentine, Casino, Pulp Fiction, The Sixth Sense, Princess Bride, American History X, Boys in the Hood, Die Hard, and that was my honorable mentions. Holy crap, that's an incredible list. Right? American Beauty and it Casino really would be difficult. on my list too. I know, it was so hard, you guys. I was, and I literally added two more during the recording of this episode. I like, <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. Watch all of those movies. And American History X, another movie that everyone should see before they die. Okay, I'm, I'm officially going to make this list and publish it, is what okay. I'm going to do. So, um, but yeah, um, so American Beauty and Casino were on my honorable mentions. And yep. I also had Almost Famous. I, yeah, yeah. I totally had forgotten about that one. Yep. And then. We had to watch uh, that in my film class too. Going way, 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 way throwback to the Orson Welles days. Mm. Uh, the ultimate film noir film with Charlton Heston, Orson right. Welles, Touch of Evil. Ooh, I've never seen it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you really should. That, okay. that film was awesome. I pick up okay, something cool. different every time I watch that movie. Cool. So, woo. Ooh, this was so much fun. I it really was. like loved both of our lists. I love how they were so sort of opposite, but like totally belonged on these lists. Am I it right? It was good to dust off a good old top five list. We, we haven't done so that in a while. We are so good at this, Mitch. We are. We're so we damn are so good. so smart. And Which is why good. we're jumping on board later this month with Bedlam Podcast Network. Bedlam. So this is the last episode coming to yes. you from two bootstrapping, starving artists. I know. And we will be coming to you through the moniker of a very credible, very professional podcasting network that we're excited to work wow. with. And we'll be a little less starving artists. Yes. <laughs> we'll have little snacks. Ooh, we're really credits. excited. We're really excited. And the format's going to stay the exact same. We still want to hear all your suggestions. We want to connect with you. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram. We have a website. Check them all out. 
Um, so we're at Twitter yeah. at starve underscore critics. Yep. Instagram starving critics. Yep. And um, we're we're gonna be probably changing up our logo. We totally. might be producing some written stuff, but yeah, Getting we're some jumping shiny on with stuff going. Bedlam, Bedlam Podcast Network. We're excited to jump on board with them, and it'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Um, I think we'll still. Oh, you know what? I think we'll have a new sort of rate and review thing as soon as we get on board with Bedlam because we're going over to a new server. So make sure that when we premiere you, if you like the show, rate us, review us, all that good stuff. And if you don't, just let us know where you think we'd improve. And we won't listen to you and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. No, I'm just kidding. We Boom. love constructive criticism. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Mitch, what are, what are you watching this week? What do you recommend? What do I recommend? Uh, that's a really good I know. Question. I honestly haven't been really watching. I meant I'm... to get to the theater last weekend and I didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my whole, my whole last week or so got completely derailed. There's some yeah. cra crazy junk going on in my life. Yeah. Um, Same, so dude. I'm going to, I'm going to scroll through my Netflix list really fast. I here. know. I'm, I'm trying to think too. Yeah. So, uh, load faster Netflix. I know. Um, what did I want to watch? Um, bum, 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 bum. Oh, I totally on the top of my to watch list for streaming is the Netflix animated uh movie, The Little Prince. Oh, I haven't watched it yet with, with stop motion paper animation oh, and Jeff Bridges. And, and The Little Prince is one of my all time favorite storybooks. So um, I, I really want to check that out. It's been in my queue for a couple of weeks now and I haven't gotten to it. I know, I heard it's incredible. So, um, I want to watch it too. Okay, let me see what I've been watching. I've been watching so much stuff that I've seen a billion times, so I don't have much to recommend. Uh, yeah, I really have not. I'm like looking through my Netflix. Uh, there was a documentary Every I saw that was pretty decent called My Friend Rockefeller. It was kind of boring, but... So <laughs> kind of decent, kind of boring. I know, I know, like what a great recommendation. Or just um, go and watch Back to the Future again. Or that. I, that's what I'll recommend. Watch yeah. any of the movies we mentioned on the show today. Pretty much. Go watch so, them. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later when we're on our fancy new uh, podcast thing. Get it. Yeah. Bye, guys. Enjoy your pumpkin spice lattes.